Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest drivers, trends and movements in livestock, grain, oilseed and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar and thanks for listening into episode number 168 of the podcast, which today is going to give you some good conversation starters, I think, for the pub this weekend, because we're talking beer and gas. No, we haven't diversified our commodity portfolio just yet. I promise these are two very important and relevant topics for the livestock industry. The issues around shearing numbers and availability have been happening for a long time, but they've really been intensified by the pandemic and there's a lot of anecdotes out there that growers have been paying up to secure shearers in the last year. So the question we have is, how does the increasing cost of shearing sheep or shearers wages compare to the rise in the cost of beer? And the story with gas is greenhouse gas emissions in Australia from agriculture. Looking at that in context of emissions from other sectors and the contribution from livestock and whether there's actually a positive story in there. And we have Andrew Woods, who is our resident wool analyst, to thank for that analysis this week. So he's here to talk us through it all today. Before we get started, though, a few usual highlights from the markets. Young cattle prices pushed through to new record levels again this week. So there's definitely no caution from that segment of the market. But the impact of the lack of available workforce for meat processing is showing in categories like medium cow, steers and heavy steers, which are lower than they left off at the end of 2021. It's a similar story for lambs as well, where most of the eastern indicators soften again this week. But in a story that was very fitting with today's breaking news, things are going their own way in Western Australia. And the lamb market's continuing to rally over there with the trade lambs in the West, actually more expensive than in the East on a cents per kilo basis for the first time since August 2020. For wheat, the political situation in Russia has built a risk premium into the market now. And that will likely mean a few volatile weeks ahead as that unfolds. But for the moment, though, there are some strong macroeconomic signals and more export demand that's been pushing futures prices higher this week. That's it from me. Enjoy the episode and I'll hand over now to Robert Herman and Andrew Woods. Meridian Agriculture is a multidisciplinary specialist consultancy established by Dr. Mike Stevens. Meridian 16 consultants spread across six locations in New South Wales and Vic employ an evidence-based, scientific approach to farming and a personalised manner with their clients. Meridian specialises in improving both financial and operational aspects of farming enterprises and guiding families through the often difficult transition of succession planning. Head to their website meridian-ag.com.au to learn more. Yes, thank you very much, Olivia, and thanks for that uh, warm welcome to Commodity Conversations again. Now we've got our old mate, Andrew Woods, who's, uh, who usually comes on and talks a lot about wool, and, and we recognise you as being the leading expert in wool. But Woodsy, this, today we're just going to take you left field a little bit, and we're going to talk about beer and gas. Let's start, let's leave beer to the last, because we are recording this on a Friday, and uh, you know beer comes in at the end of the day. But uh, first of all, welcome back to Commodity Conversations, Andrew. Thanks, Rob. Pleasure to be here. Now, I want to refer back to the article you presented on Mercado the other day, and you did some work on greenhouse gases and how it all plays out. And I know, speaking to you earlier, you just said, well, look, it was about 
you know, you said, well, I don't know much about it, so let's do a bit of research. What what are the high-level things you found out, first of all, about how the greenhouse gas situation fits with agriculture? Well, um, I might just go back just just before that. It was stimulated by by our our friend Roberto from Uruguay sent me a, a... a report's too strong a word, but a, a, a piece of work put together showing how war was bad and should be removed from the fashion industry. And, and anyway, there's a whole litany of uh, things that wool does badly. But for the, the first one was the greenhouse emissions. And it, it took me a little while what the, the approach is to look at the intensity of greenhouse emissions for wool. Or, and this goes for all livestock. And so you're looking at per kilotons. And I thought, well, the, the thing there is really you want to get, I, don't, I, I didn't have any numbers at my fingertips. So I thought, well, let's just try and get a, a broader perspective. So we go and look at total emissions for a start for, for agriculture. Where does that fit in? And if you look at that, agriculture is about 15% of emissions in Australia, and that probably is a reasonable thing for worldwide. So uh, 15% to agriculture, and then you've got, in, in Australia, you've probably got 80% from electricity, uh, power generation, and transport, and fugitive emissions. So you've got 80% there, and then you've got 15% in agriculture. Then within agriculture, you break that up into the, the various sources, and the ruminants are going to account for about two-thirds of that, about 10%, um, of which... Cattle are the, ma- are the majority in Australia because they're just there's, there's more kilos of cattle running around. There is uh, kilos of sheep or goats. So ruminants are about two thirds, and then sh- sheep are going to be a minor part of that two thirds. And then if you work that back to overall Australian emissions, um, uh, sh- sheep are about uh, uh, 2.3, 2.4 percent of emissions overall. Uh, cattle are about six point six to seven percent. So yeah, it's it's a reasonable number, but it's it's not going to we're not going to save the world tomorrow if we get rid of all the sheep. And then you've got to consider where the where where the lot ruminants are in the world, and uh, two thirds of them are, are are in lower and middle middle income countries. They're not in developed countries. So that, that was sort of the rough background. And then <clears throat> uh, I think uh, part of, so that's part of the process. And one of the things, there was a nice, uh, quite a big detailed paper put out by a whole range of uh, authors looking at this issue of livestock uh, and greenhouse emissions. And their, their conclusion, one of their conclusions was, I think, was that the, if you're going to look at livestock and their carbon footprint or greenhouse emissions, you really need more than one measure. You need a, you need a, a number of measures to, to reflect the different factors that the, the livestock are important as far as livestock in agriculture and the environment. So you did break it down then to a wool component and a, and a meat sheep, sheep meat component and I noted you you just sort of split it 50-50, was that right? Yes, and I did. Um, and when you read some of the 
papers, uh, it's the, they split it on, on income, on revenue, receipts. Um, and, but I, I've, I keep it in mind, it's, it's a really tricky thing if you because you've got sheep there and they'll grow some wool and they'll grow some meat. Some sheep will grow more meat and less wool. Um, and splitting that, um, um, uh, splitting the attribution of greenhouse gases between those two factors is not easy. It's not straightforward. It would seem straightforward, but it's not. No, and I think there'd be some argument about that also, that um, if you use on value, um, mm. You know, how does that play out in terms of the size of the sheep? You know, the bigger sheep from the crossbreds. Um, also, uh, in terms of, of numbers now, you know, we're getting, we've still got more merino sheep in the country than, than crossbreds, but that is changing as well, isn't it? Yeah, it varies. Um, that's right. So that, that's, that's not that easy. But uh, I suppose the thing about that was that, uh, it's just giving an you get an overall picture of where how how important the agricultural emissions are and, and the various parts of the agricultural emissions how they stack up. Um, I think one one of the in right in doing this article is interesting because there's a there's a, a a conflict there. One you want to defend the industry, but on the other hand you want to have a fair a, a fair argument or argue in good faith. So the document that, that sheer destruction, which is what prompted prompted the, this article, uh, wasn't written in good faith. It no. was a classic um, yes, minister. We've got the answer. Now let's. We don't like livestock. Now let's put together everything we can. So yeah. in, in the end of that article, they were sort of blaming um, wool for the for the demise of koalas and a whole host of stuff and you think well yeah i think you're, you're stretching things here. yeah <laughs> yeah well we we do like to defend our industry however um there is a lot of positives that can be said about our industry too because you know the the naturalness of what we do um even though there are areas where we do um have you know a lot of uh impact if you like chemicals, et cetera, in, in preparing wool. But we do have a renewable and a natural product. So I'm sure uh, one of the areas where we'll get a lot of support for this article will be from our old mate Roberto in um, Uruguay because he certainly fits to the passionate supporters of wool um, and, uh, and good on him for that. I want to, um, I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, Woodsy, let's, let's on a Friday afternoon, let's talk about beer. And, um, and what we're going to talk about is, is a bit of interesting analysis that you've been um, sort of tracking for a little while, I think, and that is the relationship between the cost of a pot of beer and the cost of or, 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 the, or what a shearer gets paid to shear a sheep, because I guess that's where the, some of the money comes from to pay for that pot of beer. Uh, I should preface by saying the last time we published this information, we got some really interesting um, reviews and uh and, and the market has moved on a bit from there uh, in terms of shearing. But tell us what you've seen in the time that you've been watching this, these two really important uh, market <laughs> indicators, Andrew. Well, the, the, index, the index for beer and the index for shearing is starting about oh, the late 80s, I think, it's really started to sort of separate. So the cost of beer was, was rising faster than the cost of shearing. But that's changed in the last two years. So... 
with the advent of COVID and border disruptions, uh, disruptions to New Zealanders coming into the country, uh, the cost of shearing has gone up. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. And, and now it's, it's hard. See, and this is an interesting point, Rob. There's a lot of, over, over the years, there's been a lot of argy-bargy over shearing, to be fair to say, wouldn't there? And, and if you wanted to go into a pub and start an argument, you could probably go on there and talk about cost of shearing and get people, they give you a, a response. <laughs> Do you think there's any published average prices for shearing? No. Average cost of contracting? Published uh, distribution of, of wages for shearers or shed staff? So we could argue this. I, I can't see it. I've seen a little bit from of that distribution of wages from, from the union guy in, in uh, Sheep Central, but nowhere else. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting point. I don't know. If you don't have that data, how do you argue that shearers are well-paid or underpaid? Or, so um, anyway, that, that's a bite. That's that's an aside. So but that um, so there's an award that the traditionally I've used the awards uh, rate as for shearing as the as the base for the index. But in the last two years, that's really that's become irrelevant. So the shearing contractors, well, the year ago, early twenty one, advised a fifteen percent premium on top of that, and it'd be fair to say it's probably a bit more on top of that now, and so. Uh, putting putting that rough estimate in of shearing, it's the shearing <laughs> with the with the kick up in price over the last uh, two years. She's back in line with the beer index. Beautiful. <laughs> so you know, things do work out in the world. You know, <laughs> if you. So is that is that market forces at work, Andrew? Because um, <laughs> we, we've heard a lot of discussion about how. You know there has been wages stagnation, and and certainly the the award rate for shearing hasn't changed, but uh, the market has taken over and uh, and made its own arrangements. Yes, exactly. And yep. is that because the um, the cost it needed to catch up to the cost of beer, or is it a supply demand issue? <laughs> Clearly, they were thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, know, I know you mentioned about going into pubs and having some conversations about shearing and, and getting, you know, some robust discussion. Um, I can tell you there's some pubs where you wouldn't go in and start those conversations and there have been some pubs where those conversations have started and at the end of the night the pub's been burnt down. So <laughs> yes, discretion yeah. is the better part of valour in this area here. Um, it is a serious point, though, for the sheep, the merino industry especially. Well, I shouldn't say that because I, I think we're hearing now that Shearers are um, are being selective about some of the size of the crossbred ewes, and I know the Department of Ag in New South Wales has put a, has been monitoring the size of the ewes, and they've grown, those ewes are getting bigger, still getting bigger, I think. Uh, yeah, that's and understandably that's an issue for someone dragging these things out. Um, you would have seen the article uh, in, in the Sheep Central. Last week, this week or last week, uh, Don McDonald, the AWI director, coming out and saying there's an issue, which has been an issue for some years, so <laughs> that's not news. Um, but uh, at, um, my friend uh, east of here, Grant Burbage, has shown 175,000 sheep over his cradle system yeah. over the last five or six years, Yeah, which takes, you don't have to drag a sheep. 
the sheep come to you and they fall into a cradle. Um, uh, at this stage, AWI haven't been the same. Yeah, I, I, I've been to see the process, and even Grant won't say it's perfect, but it's a but it's a real step in the right direction. You see, Andrew, in, I think it was 1988 when we first had a robot shear a sheep. Mm. Um, and you've got to remember that it's only 12 years since we've had the iPhone. So the computers have moved pretty dramatically in, since 1988. And I just wonder if we had persevered with that technology, where we would be now with shearing. Uh, possibly. Um, they'd be expensive, though. You'd have to take robots around. I, I'm not sure what the answer. I, well, I actually I, I know very clearly. I don't know what the answer is, but um, I, I think uh, in, in the absence of no clear path to the solution, the solution, we have to try a whole range of things. So uh, in that sense, I think Grants is one one having you see how it goes. Yeah. Um, but um, to pretend that the shearing industry as it stands exists now is an attractive industry for young people to go into, I think is is um, delusional. Yes. Yeah, and that's the worrying thing. I mean, we we know I, in, in my time in the industry, Andrew, there were two significant changes that happened that helped address the labour situation. The first one was that um, we let women into the shearing sheds. I mean, there was a time when you, re- you you never saw women in the shearing sheds and, you know, the old cry used to go up ducks on the pond if a woman walked in. Well, now the majority of the shed staff are women and they, they've they taken that role to a whole new level. And the other big change was we, we embraced the Kiwis here and, and, of course, that came across with the wide comb argument. But, you know, both of those... Um, those stimulus, if you like, are running out of puff, aren't they? We're, we've got to come up with something new. Yep, we do. As an industry, we've got to try. Start searching around for fresh fresh avenues of productivity. Well, one of the things that might happen is that the price keeps going up, Andrew, and, uh, and, and, the, and it doubles the cost of uh, the rate of the beer increase, which, you know, I guess that would be something. <laughs> I, I must ask you on a serious note, though, you did a bit of analysis also on the cost of shearing versus the price of wool. You know, how much wool do you need to sell to um, to pay for sheep? And, and has that changed over time? Uh, it uh, it goes up and down, but that's because the, the wool price goes up and down. So you have to run a, a, a moving average through to smooth that out a bit. So... Uh, uh, through most, a lot of the last couple of decades, it's, uh, it's cost about, of the average merino price, it's cost about half a kilo, uh, about half a kilo this year. Yeah. Um, and when I say that, that's that's a that's a contract estimate. It's not just the shearing; it's the yep. shearing team as yep. well. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's it's sort of around. It might be a bit over that at the moment, but that's sort of the ballpark, half a kilo. Off the shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, look, it's been interesting talking to you. We, we usually talk about markets, but today it's been nice to talk about some different stuff. Get your thoughts on it, um, Andrew. Um, we really thank you for your time. Um, we look forward to uh, your next um, light bulb moment of coming up with some, uh, some interesting chart that matches up with agriculture. And uh, you've set a high benchmark, but uh, on a Friday afternoon, why not talk about beer? <laughs> yes, right. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs>
Thanks for tuning into this episode of Commodity Conversations. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it around with your network and leave us a review or rating on your podcast platform of choice. Until next time, have a great week.